pictures up there of all the wonderful servants here at Westside Baptist Church. I am very thankful that God has raised up some wonderful servants here. And uh, so faithfully and so willingly, people have served for time and time again. And I think it would be all right to just give a hand to all those who serve here at Westside Baptist Church. As Pastor Nathan said that in your... uh, your uh, bulletin there is a sheet that if you have not filled out one of those before, we encourage you to fill that out and let us know where you might be available to serve. And it's one of those things that we have our our new members fill out when they join the church so that we can see where they might fit in. And it is wonderful. It's wonderful to come back from vacation and see things just continue running and even maybe running better while I was gone. So praise the Lord for that. Kelly used to say to me, she says, you know, I get a lot more done in the office when you're not here. So uh, I'm sure that uh, that uh, our crew, Pastor Nathan, does a great job preaching. And I came into my office this morning and lo and behold, I have a little grandmother clock in my office. It was uh, Brother Schubert and I built together years and years ago and and uh, it had uh, it would run out in 10 days, of course, and. So when I came back and found all the the little weights up in the air and it was clicking on and keeping time just like uh, uh, normal, it was just, it was just so refreshing that someone would come into my office 
and uh, just do that. And little things that we do. And so often there's, like Pastor Nathan said, there are so many little things that go on around here that no one realizes. But I tell you what, if they didn't do it, you would realize it. It's kind of like when Brother uh, Coleman passed away. And uh, our secretary passed away, Mrs. Walsher. You didn't realize how much they did until they were gone. And I would hope that we would share our appreciation with all those who serve here and give our thanks and give our appreciation and give our words of encouragement to them while they serve. And so I want to say as pastor of this church, thank you so much for all the servants here at Westside Baptist Church. We realize that as we get into our new building in time that God allows us to uh, take between now and when we get into the new building, that God wants us to continue to build up the uh, leadership here at this church. And this is our theme this year. Uh, Last year was under construction, and this year still under construction. Uh, But I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Again, as I'm going to be finishing up this message, possibly this today, more than likely next Sunday. I started this. Uh, the first Sunday in January, then we had, um, I wasn't uh, speaking the next two Sundays, and now coming back, I'd like to, to get back to this. I, we have to understand that what we are building, and why we are building, and how we are building. And I'm not talking about a building uh, project, I'm talking about our lives. And we realize that if we're going to have an orchestra, that we have to encourage those who play instruments to get involved and to help our young people or those that would like to play instruments to get involved. If they're going to be Sunday school teachers, they've got to learn the Bible and join something like Faith Bible Institute to become greater students of the Word of God. And there are things that come into people's lives to help build their lives to be a better servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we miss what we are building and why we are building and how we are building, if we miss those aspects, then we build in vain. Last year our theme was, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And we need to understand there is important principles and there's important philosophies of how you build a church. And I'm talking about the people in the church. And the Word of God is so important. It needs to be the centerpiece of our worship. I'm talking about, yes, we worship God and in the beauty of His holiness. But the Word of God needs to be what we are feeding on as we build our lives for His glory. And so, as I, I preached uh, back in January uh, 7th, and can you imagine this is already the last Sunday in January? It's hard to imagine. Super Bowl is next Sunday. By the way, We have a potluck next Sunday. I don't know why that did not get in the bulletin, but we have a potluck next Sunday, don't we, Carolyn? I think we do. Yes. Yes, I know it. I think we all missed it. Next week we had a potluck. You all understand that? And there'll be no evening service next week. Uh, We have our camp staff retreat up in in Lebanon. We're not even going to be here next Sunday night. So we have a potluck next Sunday, and so you all remember that. I mean, Christmas is coming. It's right around the corner, all right? Just understand that life is passing us by. We, we are, we're going to find things happening faster than what we can keep up with. You all understand that. It's, it's passing on. So I'm glad I remember that this morning because I'm going to show up next week ready to eat. And, and, uh, but we discover God's Word. And we talked about evaluating ourselves and being honest with ourselves. And so let me just review some of the, the points 
uh, of, uh, of the message as we went into the introduction. I spent a lot of time in this introduction. And I said this, that if we are finding fault with others, if we continue to criticize other people, if we, we take a negative approach about life and all the bad things that are out there. And by the way, there's a lot of bad things that are going on in life, but we will diminish our own abilities to grow stronger for the Lord. It is so important for us to look at ourselves and to make progress in our own selves uh, for what God would have for us. Then I said, your decisions today affect your tomorrow. And I use the, the illustration of Alice coming to the fork in the road. Which road do I take? Where do you want to go? Asked the cat. I don't know, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter. If you don't know where you're going and where you're heading, and you don't making decisions for God's glory, then you will not go where God would have you to go. I was at a conference uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and a Muslim was converted to Christianity. And uh, someone asked him how he could convert to Christianity and leave his heritage and, and disdain what he was brought up in. And he gave this as his answer. He says, listen, if you came to a fork in the road and you had to make a decision which way to go, and there are two men there at each of those forks, one alive and one dead, who would you listen to? Amen. We serve a resurrected Savior. Amen to that. We serve Him in the glory that He has given to us. And so we've gone into this and this, this important aspect of Ephesians here. We talked about the, the distribution of the talents and His goods in Matthew 25. What God has given to us, what talents, what time, what treasures He's given to us. And we talked about making decisions. And then I said this statement, if your progress is to better yourself for yourself, then you are not heading in the right direction. And I said, this is key. We make New Year's resolutions and we set goals. And some of us have set goals to lose weight and some of us aren't doing very well uh, with that goal. Someone had stated that an overweight woman lives longer than her husband who continually reminds her of that. <laughs> I had the opportunity to read some books while I was gone. And when I go on vacation, um, I ask the Lord to help me to discover what he would have for me. In fact, I asked uh, Brother uh, Jerry Horn. He and I are praying together about once a week and talking about various aspects of things in our lives. And I told him to pray about uh, that there would be things that I discovered. And so you always look for things that you can discover, the truths, while you're not in the, the hectic routines of, of your life. And so on vacation, we had a wonderful time. And I was able to read a couple books and everything. And, and uh, Gary uh, uh, Carell gave me this book, The Obedience Option. The obedience option. And I thought, man, this was just so powerful. There is one chapter. I hope that uh, I'll be able to speak through some of this to all of us because uh, there is some marvelous things in here. But this is written by a pastor. And he comes to his 
analysis of his ministry. And he likens his ministry as he was there in uh, California. I guess he has a church there in California, Southern California. He says everybody carries water bottles. Of course, now water bottles are popular just about everywhere, aren't they? And he says, you know, he says, I looked at my ministry and I, I felt like my ministry was a water bottle ministry. He goes on to explain, he says, in too many ways, I saw my ministry as producing Christian followers who viewed the privilege of Christ the same way we saw the water in our bottles. To better understand, think of life uh, of a believer in Jesus as a water bottle. He says, let's say they're made a commitment to really uh, investigate the word of God and to prayer. They've also understood the great benefit of being under the preaching of the word. And they enjoy being part of a Bible study. Maybe they even uh, have interest in increasing their knowledge and practice of Christian disciplines. So they often can be found reading a good book or some theological topic or biblical theme. That all sounds good, doesn't it? Now he goes on, he says, anyway, all of these things can be like the refreshing water that fills up their bottle. They get up in the morning, read the Bible and some spiritual water finding its way into their bottle as they pray. Uh, they're filled up a, a bit more and so on. During the day, when they feel a bit discouraged, they try to remember what they had read and how their time in prayer was of the great author had to say in the book they had been reading. In a uh, real way, they've come to see their life as indeed of filling up with the blessings of God, so that when needed, those same blessings can be useful in keeping them on track, refueling their lives with joy and purpose, or even helping them to avoid temptation as a purpose, the obedience option. Simply put, they fill up with Christ for their own use. Like the real water bottle, their Christianity has come all about them by them, and for them. You catch what he's saying? As their pastor, I began to realize that my efforts were helping to produce water bottle Christians and were almost exclusively the end users of the blessings of God. Ouch! So I decided it was time for my perspective to be radically altered, to have my deformed outlook reformed according to God's Word. When I looked at the teaching of the apostles more clearly, I found out that Christ never intended for His people, His church, to be the end users of all the wonderful promises, gifts, and blessings that flow from His love. Rather than be water-bowed Christians who fill up for personal benefits alone, He invites us to fill up with Christ for the purpose of righteous overflow to our world. It is through this overflow that His workmanship shines forth. This brings it all together, even as it changes everything. 
Then he goes on and he concludes this thought and he says, if you really understand all that is involved in the obedience option, then you'll also understand that it changes everything. Obeying Christ is always the best option. I love this is a wonderful part of his of his book, but it was never meant to bring us blessings to collect, save, hoard and selfishly use. God's graces are never labeled for personal use only. When we stop living around the edges of what it means to follow Christ and dive into the middle of it, we'll find that the pursuit of Christ and all He is and gives takes on a much grander, much more noble perspective. We'll begin to see our lives as funnels rather than canisters, as hoses rather than reservoirs, as waterfalls, rather than water bottles. You catch what he's saying? As we get into under construction, we must understand that we're not just trying to build a better life for ourselves or our families. God saved us to be a blessing to other people. And I want to say thank you to this church who has learned that factor, that they are to be a a, a hose spreading out God's blessings to others in the way that you have been equipped to do so. So let this be a motivation in our lives. I also got to read, uh, they call this the big book. Thank the Lord. This is the good book. Amen. But this big book has a lot of Christian principles in it. It's for Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know, Elisha, have you ever read this book? Fascinating. Fascinating. And as I began to read it and everything else, there are, though they don't claim to be Christian and the God of your understanding and all those things that are there, they discover many biblical truths that help people who have addiction problems. And it's very fascinating. One of the key elements, one of their 12 steps, if you were to say that, and that key element is you take what you've learned and go out and help somebody else. They believe that that is one of the powerful keys to help those that have addictions. Isn't that amazing? God says, give and it shall be given to you. In whatever way that God has created us, we want to be a blessing. So in this introduction of under construction and what am I building and all, we need to understand these, these very fundamental principles as we build our lives. It's not about me. It's not about Westside Baptist Church. It's about God's glory and the good of others. Have you heard that said here before? May God help us with that. By the way, there are two commands to what? Love God, love others. If we do not understand this, we're going to have a tough time in our progress for the Lord Jesus Christ. May our lives be about him and other folks. So we got into this, his structure. What are we building here? And let's read our theme verses again. Verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, therefore, we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation, the apostles and the prophets, the Lord Jesus Christ, him being the chief 
cornerstone. Interesting, I, uh, we went to the Holy Land experience. And there, a part of the wall that was in uh, Jerusalem in the time of Christ, there was a cornerstone that even today the engineers have no idea how Herod got it there. I forget how many tons, like 300 tons, this boulder weighed. And it is the cornerstone of this wall around the temple. Jesus Christ is that chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together growth and holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the spirits. And so we talked about God's purpose, God's purpose in building our lives for him and for his glory. Take heed how you build. And we talked about God's part. We talked about the passive uh, uh, verbs that are used here as God brings into the church those that he would have in the church. And then God's plan is for us to grow unto this holy habitation. Ephesians 5.16, we uh, looked at, excuse me, that should be Ephesians 4.16. I think I got it wrong the last time I put it up there. Ephesians 4.16, it says... He maketh the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God brings into the church, the local assembly, as he's speaking to the Ephesian church, those people that would come and become a part of that assembly, those that would be a part of the, the infrastructure of that church, the framework, the, the mechanics, the, the, the things that would take place in that church. And I thank the Lord for the talents and the treasures of God, God has brought in here to Westside Baptist Church. And I'll I tell you what, I dare say that probably most of us could grow in our appreciation for what people do around here. Amen to that? We could grow. That was awful weak. Did you guys learn? Forget to learn how to say amen while I was gone. I don't know about you, but the choir was very small in number this morning. But they sang that first song with great dynamics. Thank you for that. It was wonderful. Amen. Dear me. Who's on vacation? My goodness. God's plans, God's plans to grow us and to grow us not on junk food, but grow us on the word of God to do our parts, to strengthen others, to encourage others. That's what makes the body healthy. God wants a healthy body. Then we got into his strengths and we did this last or this Sunday night on the 7th about uh, it, many of these verbs here in, in Ephesians chapter 3. We're in the passive and how that, that uh, he gives us this energy and, and this, this effectual working, God working in us. And we, we went over this verse and to understand it's not me that gets up here and preach. It's not, not you that goes out and cleans the toilets. It's not you that has to get up and sing. It's God working through us. And here in Ephesians 1.19 it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us work who believe according to the working of his mighty power he works in us this is this effectual 
working we talked about last week. And as you go through chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul got it. He says, for this cause, for this cause, verse 1, and for verse 14, he says, for this cause, I bow my knee unto the Lord. Paul understood he was made and a minister with the effectual working of God. Verse 9, I want you to catch this. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God wants us to declare who He is. And so He builds the church. And what goes on in the church, and what people take outside these walls of the church, is to be declaring who God is. May God help us with that. He goes on and he talks about building ourselves in the love of God and understanding how incomprehensible it is. But in verse 18, that you might be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of God that passes the knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen, that's what we need to be filled with. We need to understand who God is. And like this book says, and oh, I can't wait to be able to preach it, that God's ways are better than the world's ways. Amen to that? Better than Satan's ways. We need to be out there living that kind of life. This world needs to see triumphant, victorious Christians living in the love of Christ. Do we understand how much God loves us? I'll tell you what, we went to this holy, what did I go to? Uh, holy land experience. We were driving down. We had, we had a marvelous time. It's wonderful to see a godly mother-in-law. Going to be 97 this uh, May. And Melissa Mariah joined us. And uh, and we got to go down to uh, Orlando to see Mariah's mom and dad, Randy and Trish Merrill, who've been to our church as evangelists. And they're down there preaching and things. And they just happened to be in Orlando when we we're in Jacksonville. And Melissa and Mariah just happened to need to go to Georgia while we're down there. And it just so happened that they had a pastor's conference down there. We got to take in so many things. And we're driving down to Orlando and to go to see them. And we're all excited about seeing them. And we passed this Holy Land experience. Which is, wow, that would be something great to go to. So as Janie's driving, by the way... We had to rent a car, and we only put her on as the driver because it cost $10 a day, and she's the better driver. Amen to that? I knew we could wake him up with something, huh? And uh, so she's driving, and you know, you, we text in there about the Holy Land experience and saw in there, you know how much it costs to go to the Holy Land experience per person? $50 a day. Wow. It is a little bit cheaper than going to Israel itself, though, I guess. Safer, too. Safer too. Yeah. But just what, guess what happened, uh, Carolyn? 
We're looking on there, and they said, tomorrow is our annual free day. What a coincidence. And so all seven of us got to go to the Holy Land experience free. Wow. I tell you, we're going to write a, a little novel on what you can do in 24 hours with the Merrills. We got so many things that we got to enjoy. And as we're enjoying these things, Lisha, you know what uh, uh, hit my heart? We don't deserve this. We don't deserve all these wonderful things that God is doing to us. But we can understand that God loves us in spite of who we are. And it needs to grab us and get a hold of us. Notice what verse 20 says. You know, in other words, passive knowledge that might be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants us to be filled with Him. In verse 20, now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. Do we serve a God like that? That was weaker than my wife's driving. We serve a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Amen. Amen. Let's let him be God. Get out of his way. Amen. Good point. You know, we scheduled this trip and I'm, you know, I'm frugal. You all know that, right? And so we're trying to plan this trip around our our servants' day and business meetings and trying to get away when we could and this little window of time and things like this and trying to work tickets where we could get them real cheap, like free. And, uh, and, and with Miles, we were able to book this window between uh, Wednesday and Saturday night. And after we flew down there, we began to realize that, you know what, flying back and getting into Portland at 11 o'clock on Saturday night was probably not a great idea. But that's all we could get because of the free tickets. They only give them out certain times and things like this. And the day before we are to fly back, I got my boarding passes to, to fly back and everything to, to come back. And I'm thinking, boy, you know, we're not going to get to bed till 2 in the morning. I hope that coffee works on Sunday morning. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, maybe we could fly standby or change or do something. So I called the airlines and found out, is there a way that we could change? And so she told me that if you, uh, within six hours of your flight, you could fly standby and they'll only charge you $75 per person. And I thought, you know, $150 to get in earlier would be worth it. Because we had a pastor up there picking us up at the airport at 11 o'clock at night. And to be able to, to get home at a decent hour would be far better. And so in the morning, I called the airlines. We were supposed to fly out at 1245. And I called the airlines and I asked if we could go standby. And he says, oh, it looks like that flight's open. I says, well, can you book it for us? He says, you've got to be at the airport to do it. I says, can't you just book it now? She says, I'm sorry. You can't book it now. 
And I'm thinking, well, they had two seats or three seats. They had three seats and there's two of us. I could leave Janie in Jacksonville or, or come. And our flight was to get in 11 o'clock. I says, you know, Lord, I says, if you want us to catch that flight when we get to the airport, then it'll be available. If it's not, it's not. It would be, we had a 13-hour flight scheduled to fly back. This flight was only 10 hours. But we'd get in at 7.45 or someplace around there. And that's a lot better than 11 o'clock at night. You all know about me at uh, 10 o'clock at night and everything. So I said, well, Lord, whatever. And I said, Lord, I'm going to thank you for whichever way it turns out. Guess what happened, Pat? Do we have a God who does exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think? This is how it unfolds. A half hour later, Alicia, I get a phone call. Guess who it is? Airlines. And they said to me, they said, they're having trouble with the flights in Philadelphia and we want to reroute you. I says, really? She says, yeah, you can leave at 3 o'clock and stop in Dallas and get into Portland. I says, really? I says, well, what about this other flight? Because I'd looked online for this 10-hour flight going to Charlotte. And I says, can we go to Charlotte and then to Phoenix and then to Portland? I says, that gets us in earlier. I says, we really want to get in earlier. She said, honey, didn't you hear me? She said, have you had your coffee yet? We want you to fly out at 3 o'clock instead of 12.20 and we'll get you in at the same time and the flight's only 8 hours and it's not going to cost you anything. Now, I don't know about those people in Philadelphia, but I was sure excited. (laughs) Now unto Him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. We have a God who's able to do that for us. Let God be God. Oh, I tell you, the things that God allowed us to accomplish and to see and to do and the discoveries of our lives. Oh, my friends, let Him build your life. Let Him strengthen you. Let Him be a part of your life. Then we get into now this new section here in chapter 4. And this has all been just a review of the last uh, 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 two uh, two messages in chapter 4 of Ephesians. He goes on, and so we're talking about this strength, this engine, this effectual working, and now this endeavoring. It's interesting, the, the, the power of God and His selection of the folks in the church is all in the passive where God's doing it. Now this word effectual working is in the present. The present tense is our action, us doing uh, the things that God would have us. It's in the, the active sense. He says in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 1, He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus... Beseech you, I beg you, church, Paul is writing from the prison cells of Rome, and he's begging them that they do what? They walk worthy of the vocation wherewith they have been called. 
to walk worthy of the calling of their lives. God calls us to salvation and God gives a call in our life and He says to walk worthy of this vocation. This word worthy means to walk after a godly sort. Walk worthy is to walk after a godly sort. And then in verse 2, He talks about those qualities. He says with uh, uh, lowliness or humility... God wants us as Christian brothers and sisters. And you'll, you'll see as he's building in to some wonderful themes in the book of Ephesians about the structure of this church and the unity of this church and how it's to be fitly framed together. He understands that if we don't have humility and if we don't have meekness, we're not going to walk in a godly sort. And the church won't be godly. Is this important? Absolutely. He says, walk in with long suffering. That is the idea of patience. And then the word forbearing one another. What does it mean to forbear one another? Hold each other up. Are we supposed to hold up Alicia as she goes through this time in her life? Alicia, do you feel held up by the church here? When we have struggles in our life and have pneumonia, or we're down with a stroke, or a back injury, or whatever it might be, are we supposed to hold each other up? This is a healthy church. You see, what we're building here is the structure so that we can come alongside others and hold them up. I find that I can hold up only what the muscles that, that I have in my life. And so I can develop those muscles spiritually so I can help hold others up. You catch on to what I said at the very beginning? We're not a water bottle church. We're there to disseminate the truth and to come alongside others. This, my friend, is a godly walk. To walk like God does. In fact, God even sent His Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us. He's the paraclete. Wow. And then in verse 3, forbearing one another in love. In love. I don't know about you, when I read this, I, 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 in verse 2, it's very convicting to me. There are things there that I need to work on. How about you? If we're going to have the right kind of church and we're going to be under construction, we need to look at verse 2 as a good formula, prescription of how we can walk in this godly sort. Then he says, verse 3, notice it, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Wow. How many have ever gone through a church split? I worked in a church in South, uh, South Carolina where the Smiths sat on one side and the Joneses sat on the other side. And I don't use that name as you'd understand, not the real Smiths and Joneses, but, you know, the Hatfields and the McCoys, basically. Paul is saying, endeavoring to keep the unity. Do you think the devil would like to rip apart a church? Absolutely. And sometimes we can become victims of that in contributing to it or being a part of it in the wrong ways. The word endeavor here, 
It's an interesting Greek word. It's not used in many places in the Bible. But it is the word which means due diligence. To be diligent. To work hard. It means to hasten or to make haste. To exert oneself. Give diligence. It's interesting. It is the same word that is used in 2 Timothy 2.15. The word study to show yourself approved unto God. The word study is the same word. Do diligence. Hasten. Be engaged in the word of God. It is the same word that is used in 2 Peter 1.10. And I find this an interesting word and an interesting portion of scriptures. In 2 Peter 1.10, it says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence. That's the same word. Endeavor. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And I want to tell you something, my friends. When you read this portion of scriptures, you understand that your destiny, your eternal direction in your life is important. Important. You don't want to have a hope so salvation. You don't want to have, well, my mommy told me I got saved and I'm saved. Or I went to some big rally up in Portland, which I heard about, went and heard this guy speak in Florida, and I was embarrassed by what he said. But they had somewhere around 300,000 up there in Portland, and he gives a watered-down gospel, and he says, why don't you just accept the love of God and everybody will go to heaven? The Bible says, give diligence to your calling and election. You need to make sure that you're saved. You don't want to discover on the other end of eternity. Right or wrong? And I want to to know that I know that I have been born again because of Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. He's saying this diligence to keep the unity in the church, this diligence to, to get the word of God is now the same diligence here to discover how important it is to make sure that I have been born again. And my friends, if you're not sure, why don't you make sure? Why don't you look inside your soul and discover, does God live inside? Has the Holy Spirit come into my life and transformed me, converted me, and given me a new life? It's a different life. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, in other words, you've got Jesus Christ in your heart. You read the context there of the Scriptures. I find it a marvelous portion of Scripture. You do things. You shall never fall. If you have been born again and you have been given eternal life, you will not depart from it. If you can take it and leave it, you probably didn't have it. For if these things are in you and you shall never fall... The word fall there is the root word for a footing, a foundation. It's in the aorist tense. It says you'll never fall. You'll never be in that place. We believe in eternal life. When God saves you, He gives you eternal life. And He says you'll never perish. But I dare say there could be people sitting right here this morning 
who do not have genuine salvation. And he says, give diligence to discover, is it real? Don't just flow. You know, sometimes in church, we just kind of move along with a crowd and we, we just become a part of what's happening in a church. My friends, I want you to discover, is Jesus Christ real in your heart? And we can say it confidently, can't we, Ken? Because you remember before you were saved. I remember before I was saved. How many of you remember before you were saved? I mean, it is so obvious. But you're telling me, say this. People that have never been born again do not know the difference. And they have a religion and a religiosity. And they fit in because they see what other people do and it becomes a part of their lives. But it's not real. And someday we're going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of glory. And you'll discover whether it's real or not. But you don't have to die to discover it's real. You can know now. First John one five, or excuse me, First John five eleven says, uh, uh, "He that hath the Son, what, hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God, he doesn't have that life. You either got that life or you don't have that life. One or the other. And he says, "These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might." Know that you have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you'll help our congregation. Help us all as we we look at this, what we are building, why we're building what we're building, how we're building what we're building. It's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be understood that, that, Lord, that you have saved us. And not just for our eternal life, but that, Father, we might come now a part of the infrastructure and the building that you're putting together as a holy habitation of God. Father, I pray that you'll just work in our lives. Thank you so much for you doing exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Thank you that we can understand your love. And Lord, I I pray that our, our folks here and myself included, that we would just be able to grasp even a greater reality, the love that you have for us and the power that you can give to each of us through the Lord and through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the word of God that is so precious and true. And Lord, as we have this Servants Day, I thank you again for the servants here of Westside Baptist Church who have given their lives in such ways to serve uh, without notice, without uh, accolades of, of uh, a praise or approval. But that, Father, that we would find ourselves approved in your sight. And Lord, if there's someone here that's not certain of their eternal destiny, God, help them to examine with diligence in their heart whether they be in the truth or not. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that's not certain of it, that, Lord, that they would just come to truth and and, and not just have a hopeful salvation, but a no-so salvation. Thank you so much for how you've changed our lives. And it's real. It's rooted and grounded in us. Thank you, Father, for that. So now, Lord, as we see ourselves to be endeavoring to keep the unity, help us not to lose sight of that as well. Help us understand that we have a devil who wants to discourage and defeat us. May we bring you glory in what we do in our lives. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In a moment we're going to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way.
Have you ever surrendered fully to Him and given Him your all? I want to encourage you this morning that you would do so if you haven't. If there's an area that He's speaking to your heart about, I don't know, maybe one of these areas that were brought up there of walking worthy, walking after a godly sort that God has spoke to you about, then let's deal with it today. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's examine ourselves. Let's make sure that there is the reality of what's and who we are. So, Father, I praise you for what you're going to do. I praise you for the Word of God that is so rich. And I want to praise you for a wonderful ten days and the things that you helped me to discover in those ten days. Thank you, Father. Sometimes we just need to come apart and have some time where we can just look into your lovely face and let your Word soak into our souls. There should be a hunger and a thirst there for righteousness if we are your children. There should be a desire to to love the brethren and to keep the unity. There should be a desire to follow you and to serve you in whatever capacity. And I'm so thankful that you've raised up so many wonderful servants here. I pray that you'll raise up more of us. That, Lord, we'll understand also this wonderful principle that was talked about today, not to be a water bottle Christian, but that what you give to us, we can disseminate to others to share the riches of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet as God has worked in our hearts. You respond and uh, take those this time to make the right decisions for his will and his way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. The potter I am what he wants me to be and do what he wants me to do. Have thine own way, Lord. God have his way with you. Amen to that. Woohoo! Discover how great God is and that he wants you to be used. You are an important factor in building for his glory. Amen to that. Well, we have someone joining our church this morning. Jim Baker, he's not here this morning. This is not the Jim Baker that has an air-conditioned doghouse, but friends of the uh, uh, Johnsons and a wonderful servant of the Lord, served the Lord for many years of his life. His wife is ill now and all, but he comes on Sunday nights. When he comes, if he comes tonight, you greet him, say, welcome aboard. Amen to that. All in favor of welcome aboard, say amen. 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 We got some uh, directories out there, some sign-up sheets for things, and you are dismissed. Be back tonight for our important business meeting.
Thank you. 